You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Sometimes we ask the Lord for things and we think the timing is now. And most of the time, when the Lord reveals something to us, let me say it this way, when the Lord reveals something to us, he wants us to ask him about it. The Lord, the Lord loves to be asked questions. So when he reveals something, you're just more impressive than me, I guess. Everyone's like, wow, the whiteboard. I'm just going to keep picking on you every week until we get past it. Okay, anyways. So, but when you, you have the Lord show you something, and I can promise you, and this is a word for some of you, every one of you hear the voice of God in here. Listen to me now. Every single one of you hear the voice of God. He made you in his image and in his likeness, and he designed you to hear his voice. He designed you to hear his voice. He made you that way. So don't second guess yourself so much. It's good to have the Lord confirm things, but you should, you should expect that if you're spending time with Jesus and you hear something, you shouldn't automatically think, oh, that's, that's just the devil. <laughs> I remember one time I was sitting in, and I was about 15, somewhere around there, and I was sitting in this great big youth conference, and I had the Lord speak to me, and he said, I've called you to do that. And the, the next words out of my mouth were, I rebuke that, Satan. That's what, I, that's what I said. It's probably because of the fear thing that was on me, but also it was like, it was like, oh, I don't want to be up in front of people. Well, it's not about being in front of people. It's about taking what God's placed in you and giving it to people so their lives can be changed. And so then, of course, I later come to find out it wasn't about ministering to youth in particular, but it was just about, about ministering the word. You see, you hear the voice of God, and you just need to be sensitive to the voice of God. And when you hear things, you should begin to ask him, Lord, what are you saying? What does this mean? What are you requiring of me? And this is what I've found out about the Lord is that he can, he can do a quick work, but he's not in a hurry. And when he puts something in you, in your heart, I mean, almost without fail, if there's not writing on the wall, almost without fail, you can pretty much guarantee that there's going to be a process of time from when that word was spoken until you see the manifestation of that word. Because words are seed. In particular, God's words are, but even your words are too. And when the Lord places a word or a seed in your heart, how many of y'all know that you don't go outside and plant corn and wake up the next day and have, have a full stock of corn? It's, what, six months or something like that? I don't know, but it takes a while for that thing to, to germinate and have it watered and all of the things that need to happen for that seed to be ready to be harvested. So when the Lord speaks something to you, you should automatically, just automatically, unless he tells you something different, you should automatically assume that there's something that needs to happen in you and that seed in you before it's going to be time for it to come to pass. This is really good wisdom. I mean, all wisdom is good, but this is really good wisdom. 
This will help you. Because has anybody in here ever heard something from the Lord or you had an expectation of something and then you didn't see it come to pass? Let me just see a show of hands. Who, who in here could say that? Probably just about every person in here. And then oftentimes frustration will set in. And it's like, Lord, what is going on? You, I thought you spoke this to me. And then we start to question God. We start to question his goodness. We st- did I really hear? And we go through all these mental gymnastics. But you have to understand something. There is seed, there's time, and then there's harvest. Now let me, let me put a little parentheses right here and say this. That there are things that God has promised that are for you now. Because some people will take this and build bad doctrine, and they'll be in all kinds of pain, they'll be whatever, and they'll say, well, in the Lord's time, he'll want me to be healed. No, today is the day of salvation, not only for your getting saved from and escaping hell, but also from escaping hell on earth. There is, there is provision in the atonement for healing, for joy, for peace. I've met people that they're like, well, I, you know, I'll be joyful in the Lord's time. No, be joyful now. You can be joyful now. So you have to use discernment in what I'm telling you. You can't put everything into, oh, it's just in the Lord's time. There's certain things we have authority over. I'm not going to get into that, but we should all understand that. But if you can understand that there are things that God will place in your heart that take time before it's going to come to pass, it will alleviate frustration. Because when God speaks something, oftentimes we quit before we see it come to pass. We don't, we don't hang in there long enough. And this is why we need to have, you know, there's commanding faith. You know, when somebody's sick, we don't tell them to endure. We command. We speak to the sickness. We speak to the mountain. These are the things that Jesus taught us. But there's also enduring faith. You can't microwave a ministry. You really can't microwave your pocketbook either. Now, you can command some things to get in line. I've, we've got lots of testimonies of that, things being chaotic in our finances, and we'll say, peace be still. Things settle down, but it takes a while. You can't just say, in a name of Jesus, million dollars come. You, know? you have to use some principles and some wisdom and save some money and invest and whatever, all that kind of stuff. So there's wisdom and all that, but understand that there is seed, there's time, and then there's harvest. And God has placed seeds inside of you. Let me encourage you with something. Don't give up on your seed. Believe in the power that's in your seed so you'll have the, the harvest that that seed promises to produce. We did on our live yesterday morning, um, every Saturday morning, Liz and I go live at 9 a.m. and on, on Facebook and YouTube, and just we just share some things. And I said something that was very profound, and and I say a lot of things profound, but this was just one of them. <laughs> but um, I heard this years ago that when you, take, when you take a seed, you take corn, you take a tomato, I mean, any kind, of, any kind of whatever that has a seed. Yeah, tomatoes have seeds. That's why they're fruit, right? Anyways, the, the whole argument there. So anything that has, that has a seed, every seed produces after its own kind, right? We're told this in Genesis. Every seed produces after its own kind. And why is that? And I heard this one time from a scientific-y kind of person that's way smarter than me, that there is inside of a seed, there is code written in it. It's like DNA code that's written inside of seed. 
It's true with humans, but it's also true with just things that you, that you plant. And within that seed is the guarantee of what that seed is, is made to produce. There's a guarantee of that seed producing what's in it if the conditions are right for that seed to produce. Did you hear what I said? The seed will produce if the conditions that the seed are in are right, that seed will produce what it's guaranteed to produce. Anything that God says, like the song we sang earlier, he is a man of his word. And when God says, boom, he says this, he says healing, he says whatever it is that you need in your life, it could be something quick, but it could be something that takes time. And really, that's the point I'm making here, is that seed goes in and it takes time. But if God spoke it, and it's a seed it has in it to produce what is promised in it. It has the DNA code inside of God's seed that he spoke and gave to you, and you put in the soil of your heart. What you have to do and I have to do is we just have to protect the condition of our heart and keep doing that until the seed produces. This is why in the middle of the summer, after a farmer will, will plant corn, you know the first thing they do is they go and they plow the field, and there's probably other steps, but I'm not a farmer. I'm just giving you what I know, okay? So forgive me if I, don't, if I miss stuff. They plow, and then they plant. But you know what else they do? Especially as you go further west, if you're up in an airplane, you'll see all these circles. You know what those circles are? Those are those huge sprinkler systems that they'll have that go around because they have less rain the further west you go. And they'll, they will water that. And, you know, they don't plant it under a shade tree. They plant it out to where it will get sunlight. The point is, is that they do things necessary for that seed to carry all the way to the end and produce the crop that they desire. And you know that they don't plant crop because they don't want it. They plant it because they do want it. You're sitting here right now because you want something. You desire something of the Lord. Or someone just like, come on, let's go to church. And you're like, well, okay, I don't have anything better to do. I think it's so funny. Sometimes when people will be like, they don't not thinking to be like, well, that was great, and I just didn't have anything better to do today, so I was glad I came. It was really good. I was like, thank you? It was like Jesus and the disciples. They're like, everyone left him. And he turned to his disciples, and they're like, and he said, are you going to leave me? And they said, where else will we go, Lord? Do <laughs> you have any suggestions? Because we could take you up on that. But most of you, you're sitting here because you want something from God. And the Bible says that the enemy, the thief, comes when? Someone tell me, when does he come to steal? Immediately to steal the word from your heart. I could be, and I'm just going to go ahead and make a bet that I am right now telling you things that you need inside of your heart. And if you're not careful, you could be that one that is just like you come out and you're like, well, you know, that was really, yeah. And you just go on with your day. And like you're off in la-la land. Anybody ever, I've been there before. I know sometimes, Liz, I'll be like, what was I saying at that one point? How did I say that? She'd be like, oh, I don't know. I was thinking about something else. I'm like, don't do that. You, sh you have to. Anyways. But the Lord will speak things while I'm ministering or during worship or whatever. And that's awesome. We, we should hear from the Lord. But, you know, you could even be sitting right here, right now. Uh, thinking you're listening, but you're really not saying, Lord, I have ears to hear. Give me what it is that you want to speak to me. And you walk out the door, and immediately the enemy steals that, that seed. 
Or you could put it in your heart, but you don't deal with the soil enough. You don't, you don't condition the soil enough. You don't water it. You don't do the things necessary. And you take the, you take the life-giving word of God that was given to you. You put it in your heart, and the enemy comes in through circumstances of life, through hardships, through trials, through whatever, and you basically, out of frustration or out of the cares of this world or out of fear, that seed basically gets aborted and it no longer goes to the full term to produce what it was supposed to, supposed to produce. So many people lose out on their manifestation a week or five days or two days or one day. They lose out on seeing it because they give up on their seed that God planted, that's working. You know, there's a working that happens in the soil before it comes up. It has to grow some roots down. Some things have to take place inside the soil and inside the seed before it's ready to sprout up. Amen. And we just have to understand that the same way it works in the natural is the exact same way it works in the spiritual. It takes time for things to come to pass. And I found this too, and I've done this before, that I always misquote this verse, but it's like, first the blade, then the ear, and then the whatever, the full head or whatever in the ear. I don't know how it says it. But anyways, there's a process. You see a little bit come up. You'll see a little bit more come up, a little bit more come up, and then eventually it will be ready to be harvested. You know what I've done before? And it's like I planted the seed. It's like, oh, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. And you see a little bit come up, and you're like, yeah, and you snatch it out. And you ruin the whole thing. Anybody, you get what I'm saying? I mean, if you did that with like a tomato plant, you just saw a little sprout coming out. Well, nothing would grow beyond that. So sometimes there's a season of time. In fact, this is what I keep trying to say, is that basically with everything that you will experience in your life that God has for you, every word, everything he has, there is a time to plant. There is a time for the seed to be in the ground. And then there will come a time for harvest. Don't give up on your seed. Or don't see it sprout up just a little bit and then take it on too early. You know, I had a, I had a dream one time. I was thinking about doing some things in ministry a couple years ago. And one of, so in my, I'll just give you this a little bit. This is kind of funny. In my dreams, Kingston represents my anointing. And, and for those of you who don't know much about dreams, God will give you dreams and he'll build codes um, and your dreams and certain people and things will mean certain things. And the only way you can find that out is by seeking him. And that's why he gives you dreams because he wants you to seek them. And so he represents my anointing, which Kings is my son. And then one of my other sons, Jonah, uh, he represents the church. And, you know, here's the thing I found out about the anointing. You take the anointing with you everywhere you go. You have an anointing on your life. I was thinking about this during worship. I'll come back to the, to the dream. But I was thinking about this during worship, and I almost wanted to stop, but I didn't. So I'm telling you now, you have an anointing on your life. Listen to me now. You have an anointing to worship God. There's not a person in here, including me, that what doesn't want to be more expressive in worship to the Lord. But you, sometimes you're just like, well, what are they going to, and how's that going to, and what? You know what? Just get over that. Just get over yourself. <laughs> and you have an anointing. You have an unction from God to worship him. And when you 
worship God. You want breakthrough in your life? I've found that the majority of the breakthrough comes in my life when I choose to worship God. Not because I feel like it. i got to be honest with you, this morning, I didn't feel like leading worship. I didn't feel like it. But it didn't matter. We come in, and that's what we do because he is worthy. And if I'm, maybe I'm being a little selfish, I need it. I need that time with the Lord, and I need to have my voice raised. I need to have, if I'm not playing guitar, I need to raise my hands, go to my knees, run around the room. That's normal stuff, and if you'll do that, you'll, you'll get so much breakthrough in your life. Anyways, you're anointed by God. Let me go back to the dream now so I can get back to what I was saying, which is nothing that I plan to say, but the Lord just told me to say all this. So in my dreams, he'll, he'll represent my anointing or the anointing God's given me. And Jonah has oftentimes represented the church. Well, me and him and Jonah in my dream were at the, at the park, and we were playing at the park. Well, I jumped in the car with him, and I took off, and we left Jonah at the park. And about 10 minutes out, I was starting to freak out. And I said, oh, my gosh, we left Jonah at the park. And in, in the natural, yes, God, yes, Lord, it's no problem. It's the day we live in. That's no problem. Um, I was just trying to lighten the mood because I know I've been there before. My phone was ringing. I was like, oh, Jesus. It's no problem. We all, we all do it. So where was I at? Huh? Yeah, yeah. So in my dream, in my dream, yeah, I was freaking out. Thank you. And because I left Jonah at the park and, you know, uh, but I wasn't freaking out enough. I said, we'll go back and get him later. And at that time, he was like six. Well, you don't leave your six-year-old at a park. You just don't do that. And uh, so when I said, I'll go back and get him later. And then the Lord spoke to me. Out of that, I'm like, Lord, because it was like, you know, the feelings and the emotions of leaving the, you know, your child, that's, the, that's what I was experiencing. I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? He said, be careful that you don't leave your post too early. Not that, I'm not, not that I'm going anywhere. I'm not saying that. But there's different things in ministry that the Lord, I know, has called us to do that, that coincide with pastoring. But if I'm not careful, I could jump out too fast and I end up leaving things behind that God, does, that God wants me to take care of is my point with that. So my point with saying all that is that there is time involved in what God has, has for you. There's timing involved in it. And, you know, if the Lord gives you a word and it's, you know, 30 years, I guess it depends on the word. You know, if it's 30, if it's like, you know, you'll have an anointing to preach and 30 years later you've never experienced that, you probably missed something somewhere would be my guess because he wants you to open your mouth and whatever, whatever the word would be. But it's important that we understand that timing is involved with things. I mean, I'm just, I'm telling you, this is so strong on me right now. I have a whole other message all planned out. But the Lord was just all over me for this. You need to... You need to take this, and you need to look at what God has spoken to you. And you need to begin to ask the Lord questions about what he's spoken to you. Lord, was this you? Sometimes we miss it. But I can tell you now, if you've got a desire in your heart, the Lord works through desire a lot. Now, he doesn't work through desire when someone's living like an animal, because then your desires are not of him. They're of flesh and whatever else. But if you're before the Lord, you're spending time with the Lord, the desires that you're having, you can pretty much, it's a pretty safe bet that those are from the Lord. And if you're not seeing those things come to pass, you should go back and say, Lord, what am I missing here? 
Because you know that there is a devourer that will come and will eat your seed, dig up your seed, he'll steal your seed, and he will steal your crop. And he'll devour your field if you allow him. So sometimes you just need to hear from the Lord. The enemy's been robbing you here. We've had times where it was like that we just we couldn't understand why something wasn't working. And then we just realized we got a word from God. It's like the enemy's been robbing us. He has been robbing us blind, and we're no longer going to allow it to happen. We're going to take authority over it, and we're going to protect our seed and protect the investment, all that. All of that. Amen? I think this is, man, I'm telling you, this, some of you, this is really, really ringing really hard in you right now because you've been wondering why aren't things happening. It's possible and probable and most likely that things are happening. You're just not seeing that in the ground it's planted and you just have to give it the time. And really what you need to do is just stay in faith. You just stay in faith. You got a race to run. You and I have a race to run. And the way that we win is that we just don't quit. We don't give up. Because it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Something about being surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. <laughs> Let me read it real quick. I was going to quote it, and then it escaped my mind. But it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Everybody's got to run a race. Well, what is it when you're running is the easiest thing to do? It's just to quit. It's just to give up. Because when you're running... If there's any runners in here and you've got, you've got goals, you know, of two miles or five miles or ten miles, everything in you, especially when you're pushing your body, everything in you, if you're going for five miles, by the time you get to three miles, three and a half, four miles, four and a half miles, everything in your physical body says, I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I just want to quit. But you've got a goal and you push and you keep pushing forward until you get to your goal. Well, that's the exact same thing that you have to do with your seed. But you have to realize that God is at work because of the power that's inside the seed, which is the word that he spoke to your heart. And the power to make that thing come to pass is not because of you. It's because of him and what he's placed inside of his word to make it come to pass. You simply just have to not quit. You simply just have to not give up on what God told you. Run your race. Stick all the way to the end. And lay aside every sin and every weight and it actually says in Hebrews 12, it says it like this. It says, and here I'll read it so I say it right. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say every weight. And the sin. Everybody say the sin. Which so easily ensnares us. And I, I would propose to you that the sin... I heard, I heard this said when I was younger, and it's like, everybody's got a secret sin, and that sin is the thing. It's the sin that's holding you back, and it's like, um, actually, I don't believe that everybody has a secret sin. I don't believe that garbage. Uh, I believe that God has called us to live in victory, and we don't have to live underneath of sin, but the sin is the sin. It's the thing that would keep us from running the race, which is just quitting, just giving up. He's speaking here in Hebrews. He's speaking to people. you got to understand this. We don't even know what persecution is. We, we don't even, I mean, we have a clue, but we really don't have a clue. He was speaking to people that were given the gospel, and the gospel was diametrically opposed to the religious system of that day. Also, it's diametrically opposed to the religious system of this day. But anyways, 
People try to mesh them together, and there should be a complete separation of works to get from God versus the work of Jesus, and we are just are with God. But anyways, that system was so hardcore back in that day that they were per- the ones in the name of the Lord, the Apostle Paul, who I believe was the writer of Hebrews, he actually was one that was persecuting. He believed it was in the name of God. He was persecuting the church of God. And then he ends up getting totally transformed. And these people, the Hebrews, the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrifices. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the priest. Jesus is better than anything and everything. And you don't need to add anything to Jesus because Jesus all by himself is sufficient enough. And he told them this because they were questioning and they were wavering in their faith. And it wasn't because they didn't believe it. It's because the persecution was so heavy that they were wavering with the idea of continuing forward with it, even though it was the truth. And so then he says to them, he says, lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So he says, it doesn't matter what you're being persecuted with. And these were people that were having their heads chopped off. They were being burned at the stake. They were being fed to the lions. And all the stuff, he said, none of that matters in comparison to Christ. None of that matters in comparison to finishing the race that God has called you to run. So run with endurance and lay everything aside. Lay everything that would hinder you from running what God's called you to run, from running the race that God's called you to run. Lay it aside so you can finish your course with strength and get all the way to the end and do what God told you to do. I can't even tell you why I feel so passionate about this right now. It might be because the days to come, we're going to have some rotten stuff to endure. I don't really know. Well, I can tell you, if we're here long enough, unless there's something drastic that happens in our country, and I believe no matter what happens in our country, we've got some amazing things. But in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, if something doesn't change, Christians will be persecuted in America. We're already seeing signs of it right now. It's going to happen. Some of us need to take this and we need to stick it in our belt. And we need to realize that you don't need to go out looking for persecution. I think Paul did that. He went, he said, you know, he had a choice to go to, to Rome or not. And he's like, well, I'm going to go. And I, the spirit was constraining him. So God will give you wisdom. And I don't think Paul operated in it sometimes, mostly. But at that particular case, he didn't. You can avoid stuff. God doesn't want us to go and be persecuted just to say we're, you know, we're a martyr. But it's just, the part, it's just the reality of being in, in life. And for some of you, actually for some of you, you need to hear this. This is probably why I'm saying all this. Sometimes I know what I'm saying, but I don't know why I'm saying it. I just say it because the, the Spirit of God's on me to say it. You may not be perse- persecuted in the sense that someone's threatening your life. But you might be persecuted in the sense that you're trying to move forward with God and your family is holding you back. It's a form of persecution. It's a form of persecution. And you just might think that they're disagreeing with you, and they might be disagreeing with you, but it's actually an assignment from the enemy to keep you from doing what God's called you to do. You need to get rid of the parasites. So did you just call them? Yes, they're a parasite. What's the, what's the phrase that describes 
a symbiotic relationship. Symbiotic relationship. It's something you see in, in nature. So, for example, and you can help me with the terms because I just, my vocabulary is like right here. It's just not up there. But there's, we have, in nature, we have symbiotic relationships. And so it's when two, two species, how they relate to each other and how they either benefit or, or drain. And so, help me get the terms right. So if you take a whale, for example, a whale has a symbiotic relationship with a remora, 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 it's a fish. And they have, a, they have what's called a mutualistic symbiotic relationship. How about that? And they, no, it is right. I remember it. They, I need you to listen to this in particular. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, <laughs> we joke like this all the time at home, so, and even worse. But you take a whale and a, and a, and a manta ray. Not a manta ray. That's not it. A moray. That's a moray. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a, a moray. Romore, okay, all right. Romora. It's a, okay, it's this fish that when a whale swims, it's, get this, it attaches itself to the whale. And there's two things that happen. One is it eats the barnacles and the garbage off the whale that are problematic to the whale. So it helps the whale, but it's a mutualistic relationship in the sense that they also get a free ride from the whale. They don't have to use any energy to swim. They just suck all the stuff off. And so they're good for each other. But then you also have the barnacles and stuff that attach themselves to the whale, and they are nothing but a parasite. They don't do anything for that whale except for suck the life out of it. And, you know, in, in life, we have the exact same kind of things, exact same kind of relationships. Now, you have to use wisdom in this because, I mean, if your husband's giving you a hard time, you can't go home and be like, you're a parasite, off with you. You can't do that, okay? Don't go home and be like, well, Pastor Ken told me that you need to get out in line or get out. You know, I'm not saying that. But there are some people in your life that are sucking the life out of you that you can tomorrow cut them out of your life. And you don't need to listen to them anymore. You know why? Because maybe unbeknownst to you five minutes ago, but you're starting to get a picture, those people were sent by the devil to stop you from accomplishing what God has called you to accomplish in your life. And you need, just need to do, you just got to do the, you know, if you really love God and you really love those people, sometimes the truth hurts. And on occasion, I've had people say, man, I didn't mean to be that. Most of the time, they're like, well, you're just not walking in love. And it's like, you know what? I love God and I love the call of my life and I'm going to say it to you in love, but you're a parasite. <laughs> you're draining the life out of me and I'm not going to tolerate your garbage anymore. And maybe you don't have to be that crash. Maybe you could just gently pull yourself away from them. You know, you don't have to address everything like that, but you should have a vigor inside of you that says, I'm not going to let anything or anyone stop me from accomplishing what God has for me. So just as simple as that. We've had to do that, and I've, none of them are really watching. They don't watch us. But anyways, we've had to do that with family, family over the years. People, listen, people will get they will get offended, and we, and we love them, and we'll still do different things with them. And if any family's watching, it's not you. Just know it's not you. 
<laughs> it's not you. Don't worry. It's the other people. So we walk in love and all, and all of that stuff. But when you are moving forward, the ones that know they're supposed to move forward often will not because they don't want to change and they would rather drag you down instead of growing with you. Growers always offend non-growers. That actually is the single biggest reason why our church has stayed small. I'm offensive. Unless you want to grow, then you're like, that's my guy right there. That's it right there. And that's why we've got a Gideon's army that's getting ready to come out of the wine press and be even more effective. God has been building and strengthening us in our foundation, at our core, in our relationships. He's been bringing great strength to us. But I just want to continue growing. And I'm just going to grow. And anybody that doesn't want to grow, you're going to be overshadowed by my growth. But if you want to grow, you can stand next to me and we can grow tall together. We've heard this prophecy about the redwoods are coming. And I know I shared this, but I'm going to share this again and, I'm going to, and then I'll stop. Redwoods, and I believe sequoias are the same way. You know, those are the big, huge, tall trees. They're like the tallest trees in the world, I, I believe. Tallest in America. But you know, you don't find those growing by themselves. And the reason why is because, you know, you can take an oak tree, and you can have an oak tree all by itself. You know, you can have one in a field or something. It's, they're normally they're in the woods, but they can stand by themselves because their roots go and they grow deep. And so they have the ability to have this strong root system. They do have a strong root system, and they can basically sustain there by themselves. But the redwoods are coming. And redwoods and sequoias, their roots don't grow down. They grow out. And the only way they have strength is the ones that have strength next to them. People around you are dependent on you growing and growing in the Lord. I feel like, I feel this urgency in my spirit. Jesus, it is, it is time to stop playing. It's time to stop playing. When you, when you encounter the Lord and you have times where you're in the spirit and God shows you things and things happen and you have circumstances that can only be God making these things match up. You become more reverential of the Lord. And every day that I wake up, I'm actually in fear of not being in fear of the Lord. I'm actually concerned, maybe is a better way to say it, that I won't be reverencing the Lord enough. Why? Because I think he's this harsh, mean guy that's going to... No, 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 no. It's because he has an agenda. The time is drawing close. And he's done messing around with this church. I mean, he, that's the thing about God is that he's not just going to... If you decide not to grow, if you decide not to increase in your life, he'll love you. And I love people like that too. I come in contact with people often, and they just, they just don't want to grow. I love those people, but they're not going to be part of the solution. They're not, they, aren't, they can't be ones that God can count on them. Gosh, is that too strong? You both are going to say no. You're, neither one of you are. We talk strong like that all the time, so you're not a good. 
I'm not even asking you. I'm just saying, is that too strong? Just to, just to sound like I'm trying to be nice as I'm saying something strong. <laughs> but listen, it, the, time is, the time is done of, of just playing around, of just doing the churchy thing and just, you know, doing your own thing and getting up every day and just be like, la, 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 not having no awareness of the Lord. We should be, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. Liz and I are not perfect. But I am saying that we live with a constant awareness of the Lord. What do you want, God? What are you saying? What are you speaking right now? Lord, I am synced up with you. God uses people like instruments, like tools. Not without love, but that's how he uses us. And this is how I liken it. You can, you, can sit in, you can sit in your car. I'll say sit. You shouldn't be driving at this point. And watch a video. And you can watch that video. And then you can turn and push the buttons. And you can sync it to your radio. Unless you have an old car, then you probably couldn't do it. But newer cars. You can sync it to your radio, to your computer system. And exactly what's playing on that video or what's playing on that song, all of a sudden starts playing through your speakers. Why? You can look at it. It says syncing. They're being synchronized so that what's playing in one place is now playing in another place at the exact same time. That's just how the Spirit of God works. He's saying something. He's revealing something. He's preaching something. He's prophesying. He's doing something at every moment, all the time in our lives. Are we synced to him? To where what is in him and coming through him and out of him is coming out and manifesting in our life. And the awesome thing is the performance is over. Just like what Liz is saying, you just go to the Lord. You just go to him. You just go and be like, God, here I am. And boom, all of a sudden, now you're synced. And then whatever it is that he's playing on his radio that can start to work in your life. People oftentimes say, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me. What we need to say is make us usable. Because an unsynced person is an unsubmitted person, and the Lord can have no impact through that person. You say, where does it talk about being synced up in the Bible? It doesn't. That's my term. <laughs> I'm just telling you. That's what the Lord showed me. If we're not synced up or not sub really submitted to him, and it's a, it's a heart thing, God can't use people. So people are saying, God, use me. Lord, just use me. God, use me. Use me to reach the lost. Use. And he's saying, I'm, I want to. But you are so busy Every single day with your own stuff, I can't use you. I'm glad you're amen in me. This, this, it actually is just all of a sudden it shifted and boom, God's dropping something down right now. And you need to just receive, you just need to receive it. See, I told you God was dropping something. Boom. That was more prophetic than you guys thought. It's so quiet in here, you could hear a phone drop. 
but it's like I think I think the Lord is just like, do you want me to use you or not? Yes, Lord, use me. And he's saying, make yourself usable. It doesn't mean clean yourself up and change all your bad stuff. He'll do that when you come to him and say, here I am. He'll fix the stuff. He'll rearrange the stuff. Sometimes we just have, honestly, we've got so much pride. Human beings are, have got so much, oh, Jesus, it's too late in the day to be preaching like this. But I'm going to say it. Too much pride to come to the Lord and say, change anything in me that you don't like. Anything and everything belongs to you, Jesus, and nothing that I want matters. We just carry this, people just carry this, this air about them sometimes. Not anyone on the camera or anyone in this room. I mean, it's all, I'm just telling you guys how to, which you need to know so you can help the people. <laughs> but sometimes we do that. We just walk as if we got it all figured out. Sometimes people are like, how do you, how do, you do this stuff? How do you pastor a church? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. God knows, and I'm submitted to him, and so we're doing it. I met this man not long ago, and he's a very prosperous businessman. And I wanted to go and pick his brain. And so I went and, and picked his brain. I was asking him specific questions, and I realized he didn't have any answers for me. And I was like, God, what's up with this? He's like, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's submitted to me, and that's why it's working well for him. <laughs> you want to know why your finances aren't working right? You submit yourself to the Lord, and God will straighten it out. You aren't smart enough to do it, but God is. <laughs> you want to see more miracles? Don't try to figure it out. Just submit yourself to the Lord. Sync up with God, and you'll see more miracles. You'll see more stuff happen. You'll see things change. Our life is but a vapor. We have only so many years. Depending on who you believe, you got somewhere between 70 and 120 years. But even 120 years, if you lived out a full 120 years, what is that in the scope of eternity? It, do, it doesn't even exist in the scope of eternity. But that's the time we are given to make a difference for the Lord. All of our homes, all of our cars, all of our money, all, even the relationships, unless they're God-ordained relationships, even the relationships will be sucked up and become a vapor once this life is over. But the things we do for eternity will carry with us forever. Man. That's some heavy revy. But I mean, my God, we have to think that way. The time is too short. It's too short to be messing around with stuff that God hadn't called us to mess around with. It's like, lay it all down. And I know for a lot of you, they're like, you're like, I have laid it down. What else do I have to give? You're all right. You're in the right place. But then some people, it's like, it's like there's still this place of just sitting. And I'm not preaching at anybody. I'm just, this is, this is fire in my belly for the day we're living in. Can you just receive, everybody say, thank you, God, for Pastor Kent, and I love him, and I know he loves me, and I receive this word. It's a word for the hour. Amen. And honestly, that was probably prophetic more than we realized. He said, God dropped something down and then something dropped. I mean, seriously. He's, he wants us to get a hold of this. It's just like coming to this place where he said, God, everything, everything, everything belongs. I would rather... 
go over and above and surrender and get to the Lord and he say, and he wouldn't, but him say, you surrendered too much. Then get before him and say, why did you hang on to that? Why were you hanging on to that stuff? Why were you doing that stuff? God is real. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have a decision to make now. We have a decision to make now. Not only to be saved, and once we're saved, God keeps you saved. You don't have to perform to to be saved. But then once we get saved, it's a working, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. That means that what God's placed in you should come into light, into manifestation in every single area of our life. The only way that does, that, that happens, is surrender. This is the message that Jesus taught that everybody hated. <laughs> it was, if you want to find your life, you got to lay it down first. You want to find real life? You got to come to the end of yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And for our Christianese, especially in America, it's like, take up your cross and follow Jesus. You know, you got to read your Bible every day, and you know, just suffering for Jesus. And it's like, you don't have a clue. These people, the cross represented one thing death. That's how the Romans. At that particular time when Jesus said that, and of course that's how Jesus died, the Romans put people on a cross and they persecuted, they tortured them, and they died on that cross for all the various reasons that they deemed it legal that that person should die. That, at that particular moment, was how how they were being killed. It would, well, I'm not going to use any modern references. I'm not as bold as Jesus. Whatever modern reference you could use for death that we would relate to, that's what you would put in there. Pick up your bomb and follow me. Forgot we're live on the internet, whatever it might get. (laughs) We are not terrorists. We are using an analogy to talk about dying to self, not physically, but it's literal. I don't know. But that would be, would be something like that. He was saying, you pick up the thing that's going to kill you every single day. You pick it up and you follow me. Because every single day, you're going to be tempted to pick up your life and the nastiness of your flesh and try to do things your own way. And the only way is to follow me and to completely rid yourself of all of you. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.